0: For you, by you. Broad Radio, here for more. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio On The Go. I'm Cecilia, the producer behind the scenes. And one of my jobs is to help to work out the guests we're going to have each week. And sometimes a theme emerges and we don't even really realise Today's theme is really about women helping women to cope with the hard stuff of life. And we've got some pretty amazing people to help us work that out. Here's Jo and Nellie Thomas, her co-host, and they started today's conversation with Nellie talking about her new podcast. It's called The Single Life of Us.
2: And it is myself and Kate Mulholland, um, who we affectionately refer to ourselves as two old moles, (laughs) sometimes two fat old moles, but we're owning it, Um, both relatively recently out of long-term relationships, talking about navigating middle life, single parenting, being single, being back on the shelf. Mm.
3: Back on the shelf. Single, like. ready to mingle. Yes. With a real uh, affection for it. I mean, embracing yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so I'm really sick of that
2: narrative of sort of being single and middle-aged being a failure. Mm. You know, we're actively trying. It's not that we avoid the hard stuff, mm. but there's a lot of really positive things too in that sort of sense of autonomy and freedom and new possibilities. So, And we have a good laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Dating at this age. I tell you what, Joe. <laughs> It's wild out there. It is a jungle.
3: (laughs) I can't even begin to tell you how terrified I would be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. So I love that you're doing that podcast, though, because and it kind of falls into the theme of today's show, I reckon, which is women helping women get through the things that are kind of hard about being a woman. Yes, absolutely.
2: And also, I think, as is the theme of today as well, sort of reframing narratives is that we've got these very strong cultural narratives about what does it mean to be, in my case, almost 50 and a single mum. It's all doom and gloom. Mm. In fact, it's not. Like yeah. there's hard stuff and there's amazing stuff. And it's the same with all the content we've got today, I think.
3: Yes. Yeah, so today we do have four-time Olympic gold medalist Libby Triggott joining oh, us on the show. She's an Olympian. Amazing. Proper one. Golden girl. I know. Of the peel. <laughs> <laughs> she was. I mean, she totally informed a lot of my sort of that era of loving the Olympics and swimming. Me too. Libby Triggott was right there. But she also is normalising conversations about mental health yep. and finding joy despite the The challenges of life. She's shared so much about what she's gone through. Absolutely. Yeah. Then we're going to take a deeper dive into perinatal mental health and the specific needs of mums of new babies Mm. and all of that. Real that sort of that spectrum of the journey of trying to have a family. But Nigel, it's all fine. It's all great. It's, it's it's a wonder. It's a joy. It's magical. And
2: if you say anything otherwise, you don't like your children.
3: <laughs> Apparently not. So Dr Nicole Hyatt from COPE, which is the Centre for Perinatal Excellence, is joining us to talk all about their amazing uh, campaign called Hashtag mm. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth.
2: Mm. Yeah. Truths,
3: I imagine. we are going to face the truths. We are. And then we're wrapping it up by speaking with Jess Fraser, who is one of Australia's first black belts in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, female black belts, I should say. And she just is a trailblazer when it comes to empowering women and girls Mm. by just getting them on a mat and Mm. having them smush each other in the face. (laughs)
2: I'm into it. I'm here for it. It sounds a lot like my online dating. (laughs) (laughs)
3: everything comes back to that
2: everything (laughs) everything today is going to come back to me and online dating (laughs) so well what
3: have you been up to apart from online
2: dating how is it going oh look I tried to go out in the wild I actually tried to go out to a bar you know like Kate who I do the podcast with is like I just don't want to do any of that stuff I just want to like you know in like the 1980s I want to meet someone in a pub Mm-hmm. And just, like, have a pash and then call yes! them a week later on the landline. Like, Does that even happen anymore? I don't think that happens anymore. But I did go out uh, Friday night, which is rare for me to be out late. Because I go to bed at 9. Sure. I don't know about you, but, you know. Pretty much, 9.30. Yeah, yeah, 9, 9.30. And I was out until like one in the morning, Joe. Out you. in the wild in Collingwood.
3: Oh <laughs> my God. And we're at the. <laughs> oh, no. It would take three days to
2: recover from I, that. It, it really has. <laughs> it really has. Met some German backpackers, was there, with, you know, it's a whole thing. And uh, I go up to the bar at this place and I order a drink and then I go, is your name Charlotte? And there's this fabulous young woman there. Turns out I used to be her nanny. <laughs> Nothing makes you feel older. <laughs> Than the fact that you've nannied a toddler who is now serving you drinks at a bar in Collingwood.
3: Did you, were you sort of all, you know, cock going, I feel fabulous, I really I'm out was. on the town. I'm having and then, a margarita. And then you just deflated. Oh my
2: God. I couldn't have got <laughs> out of there quick enough.
3: I tried to stay
2: for like five minutes because I was there with a friend. And I was like, she's like, no, come on, stay. We hit the dance floor. And I literally said to her, no worries. And I jumped in an neighbor texted her from it and said, I'm out of here. <laughs> I did.
3: So was
2: Charlotte's response, was she excited? Oh, she was so excited. We had a fabulous time. I was her nanny for three or four years and her little sister. So we were close and we're Facebook friends. Okay. You know, so we sort of know each other as adults in a weird way, but, you know, via social media. Um, But, jeez, I couldn't have felt older, Joe. I mean, I already had lifted the age range at this bar. (laughs) By a good ten years. Yes. I was coping with that. Yeah. Until I saw little baby Charlotte. Mm.
3: And how old Charlotte now? Well, I I'm... bet she's not even eighteen. She's probably twenty-four
2: yeah. or something. No, she must be. 22, 23, okay. I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Mm, wow. And she's a
3: drag king and she's fabulous. And she's, oh, oh I know. You've had a little part to play in well, Charlotte. i like to claim some of it. I think so. I was out on Friday night also. Were you? Yes. Until I, that late? No. <laughs> I had done Coast Trek. On Friday, so walked for seven hours down along the uh, Mornington Peninsula, down sort of right at the very tip point. The seven hours, seven hour walk. Look at these lifestyle Um,
2: differences.
3: I'd been drinking
2: for seven hours. You'd be walking for seven hours. Still a
3: marathon, dog. Still a marathon. You know, right. it takes effort. You're right. Um, but we then went out for dinner that night and we were at um, uh, a, like a beautiful pub down in Sorrento, sort of a beachside suburb in uh, in Victoria, Melbourne. Heaven. It's, it's yeah. almost Melbourne. Victoria, yeah. Anyway, um, it's classic country pub in that that you've got the restaurant and then there's a nightclub attached and one of our friends the team of four that you do coast trek with one of them I don't know how because I could barely walk she says let's get into the nightclub hang on you are nuts you've walked through sand (laughs) for
2: seven hours and then someone says let's boogie exactly I was like all right
3: we will sit in a booth and watch people boogie that's effectively what we'll do right we'll judge very happy to do that (laughs) That's my skill set, right? <laughs> but as I walked in, I was okay, yeah. and it's a, you know again, classic nightclub in the in country town where you have all ages, and that's fine because yeah. there's nowhere else to go, right? So yeah. it wasn't like I was lifting the age like yeah, you were. Sure, sure. There were people Thank of all ages there, yeah. but I sort of strutted in, said good day to the bouncer as I walked through because yeah. that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I like to make friends with the bouncer. Can I buy you a drink? <laughs> You never know, but because I sat there for a good hour, I seized up. And so, are you cramped from sitting? I walked in, probably my age, forty nine, oh, and I walked out seventy five, maybe sure ninety. Did. And I was just like, "This." Is
2: you okay. sure
4: did. <laughs> and
3: the bouncer, oh.
4: he's just got
3: a rough night. And oh. Like I've only had one
2: trip. I know you know what I've been doing. I've been walking. <laughs> Walking and walking and walking In
3: the old days it was my podium work But not anymore
2: This Mm. might make you feel better I wore heels When I say heels They're Mm. chunky It was a boot Like we're not talking stilettos No Because you're not stupid Because I'm not stupid (laughs) Several days later my knees are still sore Oh (laughs) So if if there's any indication that I was in the wrong bar (laughs) Other than the nanny Let that be it
3: well, maybe next year you would swap the heels for doing Coast Trek and do some sand walk.
2: Oh, yeah, no, I don't walk for that long. No. Yeah. Good it's one, surprising
3: though. that you can it actually is surprising that you can, and I will. I, I need to just mention that uh, because I'm an ambassador of Coast Trek, and we have done this beautiful collaboration with Coast Trek that I would love you to check out. Um, it's Broad Radio Coast Trek Collection, which is our lovely sort of mini series uh, podcast series there that features interviews with Di Westaway, who is the founder of mm-hmm. Coast Trek, Kemi Neckfapil, one of the most powerful coaches and speakers you just in the country, Doctor Rosie Worsley where we talk about menopause, Kathy Lett self-explained. She's mm. incredible. Cass mm. um, Cook, of course. And do you remember we ch- chatted with Ellie Cole, who sure is do. Australia's most successful mm. female Paralympian. She's mm. in that series as well. So check out Broad Radio Coast Trek Collection. And while you're there, you can also check out all of the uh, previous episodes of Broad Radio with Broad Radio on the go. Lots of opportunities to get your head around some fantastic conversation. So we good for it. your head that a walk that long. It, you learn a lot about yourself oh, and, and yes. your team members. So yes. it is good for your head, but it yes. also really challenges your head. Yes, in I an can interesting imagine. way. But I have to say, I was so we stayed overnight down there, and on the Saturday coming back, I have never felt more relaxed, and I think yes. it's partly because I just had walked out everything. Because you of have it.
2: to sort of go through the. I mean, again, metaphor for today, you have to approach pain to clear it, mm. don't you think? Like if you've got. Difficult thoughts, you know, inverted commas. You have to actually get to them to be able to get past them. Yes. So I imagine when you're walking, you can't help. It's like meditation; you can't help but avoid those yeah things. And then you've got to clear
3: out. Well, what's interesting with Coast Track is you do it with a team of Mm. three girlfriends usually, Mm. although there were guys there, which was awesome to see. So when I run, I'm on my own. Yes. And I'm managing my own thoughts that way. Yeah. But when we were there with a team, you just talk. And yeah. you're sharing because yeah. you get through the niceties in the first hour yeah. and then yes. you just start really talking. Then you get into and you're side by side.
2: So you mm. haven't got the intensity of eye contact. Yeah, I used fantastic. to work in welfare before comedy. We, if we had difficult conversations, we'd go for a drive. Yeah. Because you can't, a lot of people can't do that sort of straight down the barrel mm. eye contact. You don't get into it.
3: Yes, fascinating. Yes, so great and it's it's women who are really, a lot of them exploring their physicality for the first time mm. in a long time mm. as well. We passed a lot of people who are physically struggling mm. in our team. We had both mental and physical, you know, challenges. Mm. It was fantastic mm. and so that leads me to our first guest yes. today who also is an ambassador for Coast Trek. She's, uh, um, I think, the Sunshine Coast which is on the 15th of July so uh, check it out. It's an absolute joy to welcome Olympic legend Pog. Caster and mental health advocate Libby Trickett. Hi, Yay. Libby. Hi, Good Libby. morning.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
3: So, as I said, I just completed Coast Trek on Friday. Mm. Um, I only did the thirty k's. Um, how only. You- only. <laughs> well, people do forty-five and sixty. Wow. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I mean, that's silly, though. That's silly. Yeah. That's too much.
3: Thirty is enough, surely. Well, when I was finishing the thirty, I was thinking, how could people be at halfway in this point? Mm. Like that, just I don't know what kind of mental strength they have, but much more than I. Although have. we are talking to
2: an Olympian who must mm. have for years been swimming at four o'clock in the morning, so how you can do that is beyond Look, me.
1: Swimming is different to walking, though; it is a lot less taxing on for your you. Body. I, yes, for me, I. Like I am not a land-based mammal, so yeah. For me is really <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, swimming for thirty-five hours uh, a week for the better part of a decade—I don't know how I did it.
3: To no, be honest. honestly, um, Libby, I've read I, your memoir has like just that insight into the into a, an elite athlete's mind. Mm. And I will forever. And we've been lucky enough to chat with quite a few. Chloe McArdle, who just broke the world record of swimming the English yeah. Channel, you know, Ali Cole, we spoke to you know that you're a different breed. Oh yeah, you're not right.
1: <laughs> I yeah, look, I I have said forever, I'm not sure whether the chlorine affected my brain or whether <laughs> we were just that way, we were, like just born that way. But you have to be a yeah. special breed of human who has a real intensity of focus. Mm. Um, is able to just literally swim up and back mm. Mm. <laughs> on a 50 meter pool uh, for hours and hours on end. And it's it, uh, I loved it. Like it's it sounds so boring, and I don't know how anyone actually gets into swimming. And I actually did it yeah. <laughs> for mm. the better part of my life. But I I love it. It's it's. I, an incredible I get it though. Sport.
2: I mean. I she you get it. When you're a stand-up comedian, people are always like, "Oh, you know, how could you possibly enjoy being on stage in front of people with that terror?" I mean, that's one of the places I feel calm. Mm,
3: so I imagine for yes. you, I
2: can't imagine swimming 50 hours a week and feeling calm. But it's just we just built differently. Yeah, yeah.
3: But the thing that got me about what I read, you know, in your own words, was that it was this desire to be the best, mm. which I don't have. Like I just couldn't care less. <laughs> that's why you're a comedian, darling. <laughs> you you were just so driven even as a child Mm. you just loved the race which Mm. that that sets yourself up for a life of torture as far as I'm concerned
1: yeah look um, again Mm.
5: yes (laughs) Mm.
1: Mm. it's uh it's an interesting thing I think it does definitely set you up for some mental health challenges and again I wonder if that was kind of part of me and that's why I channeled all of that energy into swimming because I wanted to be the best. I wanted to see how far I could push my body and see how strong I could become and see how fast or you know who else I could potentially beat. Uh, It was a it's a very intense lifestyle and it's a very intense kind of way of being in the world. world, Yeah. It's definitely taken some uh you know, counselling and therapy yeah. and um, meditation and mindfulness practices to kind of get me to the point that I am now here at 37 and don't completely beat myself up on a daily basis. But when you have something to channel that energy into, it makes it a lot easier. I think mm. the, the time that I found most difficult was that period of time when I had retired and hadn't mm. found my next the
2: transition. passion
1: to kind mm. of channel my energy into because when you're in that limbo you still have this energy that you want to get out of you but nowhere to put it so that was that's been the most difficult part for me I think
3: mm. I don't think people really understand what that tr- transition must be like for elite athletes and I think often mm. we kind of poo-poo it and go oh how hard can it be I mean you know boo-hoo your life's been so hard but actually yes. yeah. you are totally redefining who you are mm. in a way that yes. I don't mm. think many of us sort of go through that with such extreme
1: yeah i mean i think it's a very acute phase but everybody goes through life transition right Mm -hmm. everyone goes through trying to reimagine or re-understand who they are whether it might be through you know career changes um career transitions transitioning into parenthood Mm
4: -hmm. transitioning
1: out of high school or out of university like there's and into actual retirement. I mean, obviously I've retired, but mm-hmm. I'm still working and I'm mm-hmm. I can't just kind of hang out, you know, playing golf all day. Um, <laughs> you know, there are all these big life transitions that we actually all experience, but with athletes, it's I guess a lot more um in the public eye. It's kind mm. of much more spoken about, but I think it actually applies to a lot of people in different situations.
2: Well, no wonder with you, Libby, not just in the public eye, but, you know, when you said before, you know, Libby's joining us from the Sunshine Coast. When I think of Libby Trigger, I think Sunshine mm. because you have, and I'm oh. sure you've been told this before, you have the most like radiant smile and face and presence. Mm. And Thank therefore, from, from the public's point of view, it's like, she's fine. Yeah. Oh, she's, she's fine. Cool.
3: Or, yeah. Or, or they don't like knowing you're not fine because yeah. you are our golden yeah. girl. And mm. they're like, oh, don't show don't show a side to you where we can't believe you're fine.
2: Mm.
1: That's yeah. a lot of pressure. Yeah. And you know, especially kind of um growing up in that environment. Cause I was kind of I was 18 when I mm. first broke onto the Australian team and um pretty quickly came into a team that is the golden period of time, you know, it was off the back mm. of the 2000 Olympics, and, you know, we were still being incredibly successful. And yeah, there was a lot of pressure and expectation that I placed on myself, let alone uh, what I felt kind of coming in. And yeah, I kind of did, I think, but I think I've always felt that pressure. Like even just within family, I felt like I was like the good kid. Um, within my family and i think that definitely contributed to wanting to put out into the world that i was happy and fine Mm, and everything is great and you know when i was swimming that i mean that was just pure joy because that's exactly what i loved but Mm. you know i think i also realized that within families and within life experience and certainly as i came into retirement and then into parenthood where i experienced postnatal depression uh, i i realized that everybody has challenges mm. <laughs> everybody like you know i'm an olympian Well, not a, mm. i am an olympian i'm an olympic gold medalist i you know have been generically successful in you know the broad sense of the term and you know I find life hard like life is hard Mm. (laughs) there's there's so much that we're all dealing with on a day-to-day basis whether it's you know aging parents or sick kids or Mm. relationships stresses financial pressure like just life life is hard it Mm -hmm. it just is can I
2: just um challenge one thing Libby and that is this is me mumming you, and I forgive, <laughs> yes. please forgive me, but you are no, not, like, subjectively um, successful. You are Thank successful. You. <laughs> right? Yes, if you're not successful, the rest of us are completely screwed. <laughs> and I just...
1: I, I really appreciate that.
2: I think them. it's, like, I really actually think it's important. I don't know about mm. you, but I try and with, with young women that I sometimes am in the role of mentoring. I think it's really important to just own that. And, you know, if someone says, oh, you know, Nellie, you're a good speaker, to go, thank you, Mm. instead of talking them out of it, which is what I used to do. That
1: is one of my favourite things to do is accepting compliments at the moment. Well, you're very successful,
2: Libby.
4: (laughs) thank you well You're welcome. done I
1: love it um <laughs> can we can we get to you
3: now um created this amazing program called mm. unlock unlocking her potential with your co-founder Paula Hindle and when we when I sort of did a deep dive into what uh led you to create this program a lot of it was around mm. your experience of postnatal depression mm. can you tell us a little about yeah.
1: that yeah so it's talking about that transition right it, it really comes back to that for me i i think there was a lot i put placed a lot of pressure and expectation that i on myself that i would be a good parent because i kind mm. of imagined that that's what i would do after swimming that was the only thing that i knew that I wanted to do was to be a parent. Um, and... and do you mean
2: perfect parent? Because good parents oh, different to perfect. Yeah, perfect mum. Mm. Mm.
1: Absolutely. And <laughs> um, the first four months with my daughter Poppy, it was pretty good. Like she was sleeping eight to ten hours overnight. She wasn't sleeping during the day and she was a little bit grisly, but I was like, I'm nailing this. Like, I don't know why everyone finds this so hard. I should write a book. And I think um, (laughs) it felt like the universe kind of knocked me (laughs) off my perch because, yeah, at four months, she kind of went through a really bad sleep regression and she ended up, it was probably about a period of four or five months where she was waking every 45 minutes overnight. And or overnight and during the day, she just she just decided sleep wasn't for her, which then therefore meant sleep was not for me. me. And it was that combination of just intense sleep deprivation, which nothing can prepare you for. Like that is something until you experience it, you just have no idea what that feels like. And then that also that pressure that i was putting on myself to be this perfect parent to you know there are so many women all around the world that are having babies and look like they're fine and and coping and managing and here i was an olympic gold medalist and i can't even get my baby to sleep like how crap am i at life uh and that really um it really floored me, I, I think. I wasn't prepared for, I you know, you have these ideas of who you're going to be as a parent or ha- who, how your baby is going to be. You know, I imagined before I had kids that I was going to have two blonde-haired boys. I don't know why. <laughs> That's just what I imagined. And I ended up having three brown-haired girls, and the first one was just so intense and cranky and hard that I just, I blamed myself. I assumed that that was all my fault and it took a really long time and, you know, a lot of really dark thoughts about harming Poppy and harming myself and wanting to disappear before I finally took the steps of getting the help that I needed. And I think part of the therapy that I've experienced is being able to talk about those experiences Mm. because that makes that lightens my load, you know, I think you were saying before, Nelly. like if we, we need to look at the hard things Mm. and we need to feel and not run away from them. Mm. And I really took the time to kind of process all of that and understand that I'm not a bad parent. I am actually doing my best and to be able to talk about that experience uh, and the feedback that I get from other women, feeling the same way and feeling like they're not doing enough or being enough or they're not worthy or they're being a crappy parent or whatever it might be it it just i, th- I feel like it lifts mm. uh, a load of people's shoulders. oh it does so and it's also Libby,
2: i think it's a counter as well because i reckon part of the issue especially if you have that type a personality is that we have this false sense of control. I've read the books. Yes. I did the classes. I did the – like I my first daughter didn't sleep either and I was beside yeah. myself. I remember ringing my nana, and this will help you, I think. She had 12 kids and I'd done the <laughs> sleep classes. I'd done the books. I'd done everything. And she just went, babe, some of them don't sleep. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the relief of me thinking, oh, this isn't because I didn't read the right book or didn't follow the instructions properly or what." Some I didn't of love them her enough don't sleep, and even though I was still yes. sleep deprived, I now wasn't guilty
1: yeah mm. you know, so yes. hearing there's, her there's, say
2: that was a relief
1: yeah there's real power in just releasing that guilt and shame yeah. that we feel I don't control um, everything yeah we can't we absolutely yeah. can't and and that's and that's led me to to starting a business with my mm. um, business partner Paula, unlocking her potential is just. It's everything that I've kind of dreamed about doing um, in one business. And it's so, it's, it's crazy that it's out in the world now. It's, it's only been out for about four months, but yeah, it's so much fun. We have so much joy. We talk about incredibly difficult um, traumatic experiences that mm. you know both Paula and I have ex- had through our lives, but we're able to find those pockets of joy in every single day and that's not easy it's not mm. um something that's comfortable all of the time but you know it's it's choosing to show up for yourself every day and we hope that we can help support other women to do mm. the same in their lives
3: so what kinds of experiences are you hearing women are bringing that they feel they need some help to kind of lighten that load
1: well, I, I think, it, you know, there's so much baggage that we, in general, carry from, you know, whether it's from childhood or through school or mm-hmm. through, you know, th- those transitions into parenthood or understanding who we are now as adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, who do we want to be when we grow up? That's something mm-hmm. that I'm still grappling with. Um, but it's it's definitely the majority of the things that we're getting um, we're having conversations with women about is that feeling of not being enough. Mm. We're we're just never enough.
4: Why? Why?
1: Culture. That's why culture. Yes. Look, there's so much. I mean, there's patriarchy. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yes. Yes. We've been conditioned yep. to feel like we're never doing enough. We're not pretty enough. We're mm. not thin enough. We're mm. not. Or we're um, too much. Enough. We're either too much or, or not or enough. Or, yeah correct yeah um and and that is really heavy to mm, carry hectic. for a lot of women and it influences it like it infiltrates every cell of our being yeah. so for for Paula and I that's something that we really want to try and help women drop like to yeah. just let go of that because it's not helpful no, <laughs> to yeah. kind of go into every life mm. situation every decision that you have to make with that sense that you are not enough. It's also not moment,
2: accurate. It's also not it's, accurate. Uh, 100% Compared not accurate. to
3: what? Um, com- yeah. What am I not enough of? It's, I mean, I feel like <laughs> it's sort of a, yeah. So it's a lie that we swallow and mm. becomes very ingrained. Yeah. And until, and I'm telling you because I'm so old, I'm a lot older than I you. I know exactly what you're Libby, say. Yeah. I'm a lot older than you, and I turned 50 in six weeks. Mm. And I just don't wow. care anymore. Yeah. I just yeah, don't you care. you just, yeah. I'm yeah. so tired of feeling like I'm not enough that yeah. I've gone, oh, Jesus, if this isn't enough, fuck it. I'm just, I yeah. don't care. You it's swing too wildly hard. to the other <laughs> end, don't you? <laughs> so yeah, but what I want true. is to impart that into women who are in their 20s and 30s and yeah. teens so they don't have to go through what we've gone through mm. to get to this point, I suppose. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah. 100%. And I'm definitely getting to that moment, right, where I'm just mm. like, I don't care, like this is mm. me, like yeah. either accept me as I am or mm. just go away. <laughs> take, yeah. take it I or it. I said leave it
3: a little bit. You were a little more polite than I was just yeah. <laughs> living with <I> like. <laughs>
1: So right. I'm um, all about the swearing. I'm like, just get the
3: next one. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, so we've, we we really encourage you to check out Unlocking yeah. Your Potential because the program is really beautiful. I know that you and Paula bring lots of wonderful, really lived experiences to this program as well. So congratulations on it, Libby. It's just Thank awesome. Um, good luck with Coast Trek in July on the Sunshine Coast. Yes. Do check it out. And also Libby has a podcast as well. If you want to learn more about elite athletes, and what makes them tick? All oh, that glitters, yes. my goodness. Um, you're an inspiring bunch. Indeed. Well done.
1: <laughs> good on you, Libby. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are fabulous.
3: Thanks, Libby. Awesome. You, oh, you are. you
1: are.
5: Too. You are too. You t- have a good day.
1: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves.
3: Oh, I'm in a new well, from that lived experience of postnatal depression that Libby Trickett just shared with us to a brilliant campaign created to raise awareness of the hidden struggles faced by thousands of people on their path to parenthood and world. There's so many mm. struggles. Hashtag the truth is by the center of perinatal excellence or COPE fantastic Mm. acronym there Mm. and we're joined by the founder and executive director of COPE, Dr Nicole Hyatt. Hi Nicole.
4: Hello, thanks for having me. Oh well
3: let's start with COPE, it is a fantastic acronym because I think Nellie we've already said that you go into parenthood thinking oh everything's going to be magical and then you realise the best you can hope for is cope yeah to cope <laughs> um well you founded this amazing organization what led you to do that
4: look um the the really clear thing for me was that uh you know we we had a number of organizations that focused on mental health broadly but when it came to this time of life and this life stage there are very unique challenges and it was really important that we provide access to quality information and support which specifically rates, relates to the unique challenges that people often face at this time but people are often not aware of because these challenges are not spoken about openly. And when they do happen, therefore, people are left feeling like, I'm the only one who's not coping. I'm the Mm. only one who's not got this, uh, and I'm a failure as a person and as a parent. And we know that really impacts on people's emotional and mental health. It increases the rates of anxiety and depression. It increases the likelihood of suicide. But focusing on mental health broadly and the challenges broadly is not the same as this life stage. And we need to be honest and speak the truth about the challenges at this life stage. And that's really why COPE was developed and really mm-hmm. giving that dedicated focus on this this particular time of life when challenges are very unique and expectations are different mm-hmm. and very, very high.
2: I think one of the interesting things, Nicole, that I wanted to ask you about is there is such very specific cultural messages about motherhood and this is why I think it's so great that you're not you're not talking broadly about mental health but specifically talking about the mental health of parents and you know in my case being a mother because I think one of the difficulties when you have a baby is that you've got these expectations of yourself but they're also cultural expectations that you didn't make these up in your Mm. head You're supposed to be happy all the time. You're supposed to be coping all the time. You're supposed to be well turned out. You're supposed to be breastfeeding. You're supposed to be able to make the baby sleep in some magic universe. There's a whole heap of shoulds that don't, women aren't just conjuring up. No. Like they are actually in the ether and very few of us can meet those expectations.
4: Absolutely. And look, when, you, when you're when you having a baby, it, it's the first time you've done it. You've got no reference point. Mm. So you're trying to build up this idea in terms of your identity and who you're going to be and what type of mother you're going to be. So you've got to get that from other places. So often we get it from television beautiful commercials or beautiful magazine images, and now more than ever we're getting it from Facebook and Instagram. And those are the images that people are trying to project a, because they're often trying to show people I've got this look how successful look how good I am but that's also setting the bar at a point that it's not realistic and it's not the reality of day-to-day life as a parent and it's certainly not talking about the struggles and uh, so because there is no reference point we're building up these expectations based on what we see and therefore we believe must be how it is supposed to be and then when those Expectations don't meet our experience or our reality, this leaves parents feeling like they're failing or they're mm. not good. Um, and that in turn impacts on their mental health as well.
3: Absolutely. Um, so this leads us to the hashtag the truth campaign, which is really beautiful. The videos are just gorgeous. They're so well shot. And they're obviously featuring people who are sharing their real experiences and mm. not just around early parenthood, but you have the full spectrum of you know, the, the grief that trying to become a parent can mm. bring as well. So you have the loss of a baby, you've got infertility, you're covering as well as um, pregnancy, pregnancy, you know, and trauma. the birth trauma yep. and all of these very mm. real experiences. Um, do do you feel as though uh, by sharing you're shifting the narrative and how how are we going to actually make... The women that we're talking about and fathers understand that it's not them Mm.
4: yeah so really the the power in the voice of the consumer so people talking openly and honestly about their experiences uh, lets people know that this is going on and it is happening for people also listening to the words of people describing what it's like for them is the most powerful way of people identifying with that experience and saying that's exactly how I feel so I'm not the only one And also giving people um, insights from those other people's experiences about how they got out of there, what was important, what gave them hope, what gave them treatment or support. So letting people see that they can relate to the experience of someone, know that they're not alone in their experience and know that from learning from others how they got help and what worked for them gives people hope and uh, courage to um, learn and draw on that, to say, well, I I also relate to this and I can get out of here as well. Um, And really, I suppose the campaign, quite often campaigns just focus on postnatal depression. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly postnatal depression is very important, but there are so many things that come before postnatal depression and focusing on the illness, it's too late. You know, we Mm -hmm. wanna focus on the things that can come first. Whether they're things right at the beginning of the journey for some people who are struggling with infertility, the impacts that has on all aspects of their life, their personal life, their relationships, their friendships, their finances, all those challenges that then often that even if people do become pregnant, those challenges and that anxiety then carries through. So these things are, are there and hidden and we need to expose the reality and what they actually feel like. Uh, because they are ultimately contributing to mental health problems. Mm. And it's too late just to focus on you've got postnatal depression. It's like, well, actually, challenges started right back here and we needed to identify and get support right back here. And potentially that might have prevented the postnatal depression occurring in the first place. So it's Mm. too little too late just to focus on illness in the postnatal period. We need to recognise these challenges at each stage talk about the challenges, make people realise they're not alone in these experiences and struggles and that there is information and support available early um, to get to get through it um, earlier rather than waiting till too late.
2: And Nicole, I wonder just um, on the back of our um, chat with Libby, like I personally find it really um, helpful when I see women who I think like her are very successful, who quote unquote have it together, hmm. um, admit yeah. to difficulty. Like I am a twice failed breastfeeder, right? So whenever I do media interviews, when I when my kids were little, I made a point of saying that because I think people see uh, women in the public eye and think, oh well, they're funny and confident and they speak well and they must have everything together. I was devastated that I couldn't breastfeed, mm. absolutely yeah. devastated. But I think it's really important for women to hear other women say that, I tried and I couldn't do it and my kids are okay.
4: Absolutely. it's It just shows that n- not everything goes to plan and not no. everything is we hoped it would, would be and it doesn't mean – you're not a successful person or you're mm-hmm. not a good mother, um, these are hidden challenges and that and they can happen to anyone.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but
4: there is so much expectation and so much pressure and so much judgement mm-hmm. if people are seen not to be able to do all these things because it's seen as a reflection of you as a person and as a mother mm-hmm. and it really does impact on your emotional mental health. So people talking openly about the struggles does give permission and it does help people realise that they're not alone. And, um, you know, you, your whole identity is not whether you could breastfeed or not. Mm. Plenty of people struggle with breastfeeding. Mm. And unfortunately, I do think we've got a long way with working with health professionals to better manage that. Because I do think, um, certainly from the research, um, a lot of that guilt and shame and feeling of failure is often um, magnified by people's expression, um, you know, experiences with health professionals. Uh, particularly when, you know, in that early stage when you've just had your baby, oh, yeah.
2: you're trying to
4: establish breastfeeding, <laughs> yeah. you're exhausted from the birth, you're highly emotional. Um, You know, one of the pillars of, of grief, I would say uh, there's three pillars of grief, uh, becoming pregnant in the first place. Um, birth and birth trauma and not having the birth that you hope for and breastfeeding those are all three key milestones which um, if people are having struggles because there is so much tied up with those that they are uh, they really identify you as having this and uh, being successful
1: mm. and if
4: they don't go well they really do impact on emotional and mental health and your sense of accomplishment and achievement as a mother mm. you know um
3: when I watched the Truth Campaign videos, one of the things that really it reminded me of is how much grief people are actually carrying around with them every oh, day. That like you absolutely yeah. have no idea. Yeah. For myself, yeah. infertility, then a sick baby, then mm. you know, all of these sort of things that I go, oh, wow, I still have that. It's right there. Yeah. And you don't realise until you touch it. And you just go, my God, yeah. I'm still hold- holding mm. that. And so what what is something... You know, just as we finish up, Nicole, what is it, What is the takeaway? What's something helpful for the fact that people are walking around with this grief? Mm. What can they do with it? What's going to be useful for them?
4: Well, it's really useful for them to talk about it, talk about their experience and, um, you know, putting it out there is acknowledging the pain that you've experienced. And, and you can't get support from others if you don't put it out there to let people know that you're needing support. Um, And the other really powerful thing, I think, is by by you talking about your struggles, um, it enables other people to realise that they're not alone in their struggles as well. If we carry it around and pretend and trying to live up to the Instagram images and trying to portray to everyone that everything's perfect, and that's not the reality, we're not able to get the support that we might need. And we're also continuing to perpetuate this myth and not expose the truth about the hidden challenges. Um, and we're basically not really able to support each other or build a culture of understanding and support around the challenges that come with becoming a parent. Yeah,
3: mm,
4: Talk about it. Well, it's true. Yeah. It's so it's true. true.
3: Um, Nicole, thank you so much. I just love I love the campaign and, and your centre is really Yeah, beautiful. good on you, Nicole. So thank you. Yeah. It's just been awesome to have you.
4: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on today.
0: Broad Radio. Talking inspo we love, info we need and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday 9am Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere. Every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am existential crisis? <laughs> We've got you covered. You gotta keep me. Broad Radio, here for more.
3: Well, before we get to our next guest, couple of little things. Firstly, on our socials, thanks to those who are... Following along and sharing their comments and thoughts, Dr. Lillian Nehad, who I just adore, she's, mm. she's one of our regulars, she says, so important for people to be open about these experiences because they are not uncommon and you are not alone. Yeah. Pen McEnroe says, in a room of university graduates, you can't pick the breastfed peeps. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unless they're still attached yes. to the nip. <laughs> I used to, yeah. <laughs> Which... Can happen in some areas. Yes. I
2: used to do a joke about that, kind of going, obviously, breast milk is superior, but mm. you know, formula is not Scotch and Coke.
3: No. Do you know what I mean? Like, you <laughs> it's
2: act, let's chill. It is true. Let's and chill.
3: beautiful Donna Stolzenberg says, Nellie, you're not a twice failed breastfeeder, you're a twice tried breastfeeder. Oh,
2: thank you, darling Donna. Oh, we
3: love do you know Donna. the amazing
2: thing with that, too? If I think of my nana, who mm. did, as I said, had 12 kids, she was in an environment where she would have been around other women all the time with lots of other children Mm -hmm. and you would have seen other women who had struggles with breastfeeding or sleeping or whatever. We don't see that as much now. It's It's a curated image. It's absolutely
3: true. While we're celebrating amazing women, I wanted to just mention this moment in time in Queensland. Oh, my God, they are killing it in Queensland for the first time ever in this country. And I'm wondering how often this happens around the world, in fact. In that state, the Premier... The governor, yeah. the chief justice, and the police commissioner are all all chicks women. I know we have Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk, Governor Jeanette Young, Chief Justice Helen Beausoleil, and Police Commissioner Katarina Carroll. And of course, Jeanette Young was their chief health officer through yes. COVID, which is how many
2: of you would recognise her um, face. Yes, she was on the TV all the time. It's amazing, isn't it? Because you think of you know, cons- like Queensland traditionally is very conservative. And it's gone from like zero to a hundred. It's It's gone from, you think of it as being conservative environment. And now the four top jobs are are held, positions of power by women. One of the things Jeanette Young said though, which I think is really important to remember, it's not a coincidence. Mm. Like this hasn't happened by accident. You know, when Peter Beattie was premier and um, Anna Bly were premier, they deliberately um, cultivated an environment where women would be put into positions of power. It doesn't, we don't just magic it up. Yes. It has to be deliberate.
3: Mm. And the other really beautiful thing is it is remarkable, but also let's, work to a time when it's, it's not, also not its not worth putting on yeah. the cover of a magazine yeah, yeah, in yeah. the way that those women were. Yeah. I mean, it's really important to celebrate, but yeah. yeah, there's, there's much work to be done, but all of them speak about how they were asked, you know, at times being in the only woman in the room, can mm. you get the coffee or, oh. you know, we're going to talk serious business now. So the woman better leave yeah, and, yeah. you know, all of those sorts of barriers that they faced childcare particularly yeah. as well was a yeah. barrier. So... Huge barrier. Yeah. All of them talked about childcare mm. and
2: that's a massive issue at the moment. Mm. My kids are too old for childcare, but I hear... Isn't that annoying? Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs>
4: be like to live, be nice How dumb often to do you hear at the moment yeah. with
2: the skills shortages mm. one of the most massive issues is that there are women who want to work and there's no yes.
3: childcare. Oh, yes. That's why we say it's not welfare, it's an economic policy. Correct. Childcare. Anyway, amazing time and let's celebrate it yeah. for Queensland. Well, while we're on the subject of trailblazers, let's Welcome our next guest. Uh, She's not only a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, she's dedicated her life to training, mentoring, coaching and empowering women and girls in Jiu-Jitsu and to creating a culture of gender non-bias on every mat in every gym in the world. I love it. Jess Fraser. Hi. Hi, Jess. Oh, we don't have any sound. Let's see if we can sort that out. Uh, Speak to us again. Oh dear. Oh, no no no. Well Do you do yeah. any martial arts? Um, or have you? I, I, no I've done one half hour session. Oh, did you do a thing? That like was a self defense a self-defense thing. thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I would tell you it was absolutely profound. Yeah. Because she taught me so if you take my wrist, yeah. right? And I pull yep. that strengthens you. Yes. If I push into it, uh, right, that takes away your strength. Isn't that aikido?
2: That's an aikido
3: principle. Well, I, you sound like you're right across. No, the well, <laughs> I haven't done it at all. But
2: um, my one of my kids does aikido, mm. and they basically the idea of it is that you use the power of the aggressor against them. Yes. So if they're heavier, for example, right. or they're stronger, or okay. they've got a bigger personality. You you know, the bigger they are, the smaller
3: they'll fall, the harder they'll fall. I can hear you. I can you hear go. you laughing there, Jess. And do you agree with what Nelly's saying?
5: I missed most of what you said, oh. but I just love that you guys are talking about martial arts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we're trying. I was, I was just sharing
3: the one thing that I learned in a self-defence class once was about leaning oh, yeah. into the aggressor. And and it, oh. for me it has been a total shift in my mindset mm. when people, when I'm sort of struggling with any kind of in- engagement mm. is to kind of lean into it rather than really fight it. Um, nice. But back to you, Jess.
5: What about that? I don't know but,
3: what happened? Oh, that's okay. These things happen. So, as one of the first women in Australia to to actually reach black belt, tell us yeah. about the bias in jiu-jitsu because Ooh. this being one of your goals to shift that needle.
5: Yeah, so I mean um brazilian jiu-jitsu in australia has been around for about 20 25 years and i um was the 12th woman in australia to make it to black belt it's a long journey to black belt um on average about 10 years so uh yeah it takes a little while to cultivate somebody that's an expert in the area um but given that time gap, you can sort of get an idea of how male-focused it was before mm. people like myself turned up and uh, started working on changing that because the sport itself can be done by anybody, you know. It's not um, specific to men and, in fact, women doing this sport, we've got really strong lower bodies and that's where this sport, like, is focused, is mm. is on using the, the lower body. So... Um, stepping into that space uh 12 years ago and trying to take up space has been challenging and Mm. um yeah worth it Mm. uh so (laughs) yeah like I, i know that people would understand that like martial arts would be difficult for a woman you know like i understand that that there's that bias i don't think it is more difficult for men than women but trying to um yeah make people understand that uh, the difficulties for women in the sport are not the physicalities it's actually the bias so mm. every oh, time i see a space and yeah. leave you know like it's like oh wow like mm. that's surprising you know mm. and I, I just don't think it is it's it's, it's I find the sport totally engaging and that I was built for it, you know, Mm. and I meet so many women that are in the same boat and it's just about changing, yeah, changing people's perceptions of of what it means to be a woman that wants to fight. Um, A lot of us just enjoy fighting, you know, like it's Mm. a really fun thing to do.
3: I love the idea of, you use the word grappling, which I love that there's a physical definition yeah. of that rather than I grapple with thoughts and ideas and people mm, all the yeah. time but to actually be physical I love the mm. notion of that am I too old to start no.
5: <laughs> to get on a mat?
3: And... definitely not
2: no,
5: not too old at all in fact um so I run a large organization called Australian Girls and Gay and um we're nationwide and it's a community to bring women together because you know they might be in a um gym in Ballarat and maybe there's like three girls there but they want to make contact with the wider community so we provide that service you know and i've been doing that since 2010 most of the women are over 35 i Mm. think that people have this idea that um it will be young women or mainly girls but most of the people involved are over 35 i'm 42 myself and i would be like bang in the middle of of the age group of who's on the mats
2: Mm. And do you think, Jess, is some of the, I mean, there's, it's counter-cultural for a woman to own wanting to fight mm. for a start, right. like even yeah. just especially physically but even verbally yeah. to, to be able yeah. to defend yourself. But do people mm-hmm. look at you, and I can't see you so I don't know how big or small you are, <laughs> but do people <laughs> look at women and go, oh, you're too small, you know, physically to yeah. be able to match it with the guys?
5: Sure, yeah, so there is that idea that we're either too small, too big, too soft, too whatever, that mm. there's there's that o- overview for women just generally. And what I find is the biggest hindrance for women coming into the mat is not their body, it's that they're too nice. We've been conditioned mm. to be nice, Deep to be laughs. quiet, to make mm. scene, you know, all that sort of stuff. And that's more often than not what I'm trying to um, change uh, yes. in women when they're on the mat. Mm. It's like just, just launch yourself at people. They can protect mm. themselves. That's the sport, you know. Mm. Like it, yeah. The, the perception of us wanting to fight, unfortunately the marketing for women when it comes to fighting um, is all based on self-defence. Yes. And I, you know, like a trigger warning if like this brings stuff up for people because my, my area of expertise often talks about like violence against women and that kind of thing. But for me the motivation is not self-defence, you know, like it's it's to be an expert at something and to start at something that is extremely difficult, take that on and work towards, you're on a journey that, can't get to perfection but it's working towards just development of self development of understanding of others um, connection with community and all that kind of stuff you know like and much like you know crossfit is marketed to women as like come be about us, get strong mm-hmm. get fit you know get in connection with this worldwide community but for some reason fighting is always Marketed to women as, oh, you must only want to do it to defend yourself, and it's just mm. not true. Like I can't, I can't imagine CrossFit being advertised as like, well, you better lift weights in case you know a fridge falls on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's
4: because
5: you, want to destroy, you
3: know, you want yes. to be boy. Like, yeah, I love, I love yeah. That, yeah. the the notion of yes. like stop being nice and launch yourself at someone because it that is yes. that's it's power. It's yes. not being. Um, you know, unpleasant, it's not being unpopular or, or mean. But it's, girl. Also, it's
2: just picking up on what Jess said, mm. it's something to do with taking up space. Yeah, it's like young women coming into stand up where you go, You're allowed to take up space mm. on the stage, you're allowed to be heard, you're allowed, you don't have to apologize for your voice. And it sounds yeah. like you're that's the same challenge in jujitsu gonna go, You are allowed yes. to throw yourself at that, yes. you are allowed to use your body in that way,
1: yeah
5: totally and we've got this thing so before we start any round you like tap hands and bump fists right so it's just a very jujitsu thing but it's the permission to go so there is Mm. a boundary like Mm. i can stop at any point that's the beauty of the sport right so we don't get punched in the face we don't hit each other we're actually wrestling like you know how you play with your kids or nieces and nephews and you're like fight and wrestle on the floor Mm. and there's no actual violence in it there's just play and kind of you know finding out who ends up kind of on top and you can pin them down for a bit that's our whole sport but it's just got a whole bunch of rules and techniques to it Mm, you know mm. so you get that connection with men and women you get physical physical connection with men and women that's of a non-sexual nature which I think we lose as adults you know like and kids have the permission to continue with so you've got that awesome connection but also like our sport When you get to the fruition of the sport, which is a submission, right, so it's a joint lock or a neck manipulation that that would otherwise hurt you, we tap. So we, like, literally tap out, say, uncle. Mm. So it gets all the way to that point that you might get hurt or you could potentially get hurt, and you get to say, stop. So to me, that's really empowering in what that means to Mm. create boundaries. And Mm. it's like, cool, I'm ready to go. We slap um, hands, bump fists. You can launch yourself at me. Like, I'm prepared for it. So it's not a self-defence situation. We both want to be there. We play and then I can say stop whenever I want to make it stop, Anytime I want to make it stop. So it's sort of like doing boxing but be able to say, like, nah, when that punch is like, yeah. you know? Like, oh, I just so you, love yeah. it. I love it. It's so
3: great. And I will say, so my daughter plays footy and one of her greatest challenges is the physicality of it. So what I'm doing yeah. Oh, we go down to the dog park and just wrestle on the mm, on the awesome. soft grass, so that she can get used I'm to. Too. That's it. Come on, babe, just get in there and you know. But so I, I need to mention Australian Girls in Ghee. Gi. We actually yeah. I mentioned on our socials that you were uh, coming on the show, and I had another woman say, "I, I, if I hadn't found her and Australian Girls in Ghee, Gi, I would have been quickly intimidated out of the gym all those years ago." So, mm. and already yeah. we've had some other people saying, "Oh, Jess, it's amazing." So you've got a lovely following out there because you're. I think giving women a space, that word again, permission, Mm. but just to sort of go, well, this culture of gyms or whatever, not for me, come Mm. and find another Mm. place. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not there to be skinny and pretty.
2: Yeah. I think for a lot of women, um, I find this myself, is that, you know, the gym seems like a place where you're meant to go to be skinny and pretty. Whereas, Mm. you know, this, what you're offering is like a far more empowering kind of physical um environment that's about fitness and well-being rather than appearance and femininity even
5: yeah well well the thing is i mean like the beauty of jujitsu is your hair ends up sideways you both mm. kind of like laugh about it you know like if, nothing about it is pretty but you also don't um you don't you're so present in the moment while someone's mm. launching themselves at you yeah. <laughs> so it. doesn't no, matter like mm. Yeah, and also, like, what I love about the sport is every single every single body type has an advantage on the mat. Mm. Like, so size is actually something we celebrate, and that's rare in sport. I love it in powerlifting. I love it in our sport. I love it in things like shot put and things like that where bigger women who, like, predominantly women are bigger that are in the sport you know they can roll with the guys and it's just not an issue that they're small or that they're big you know Mm. it just becomes a non-thing and that to me is like peak like if anything I've always wanted to get more sizable in my sport you know Mm. so the focus isn't a diet the focus isn't an aesthetic the focus is an output Mm. and Whatever you already are has an advantage in our sport, and we'll will this celebrate. This sounds good it. for me. Oh, you should. Whatever you already are. Oh, babe. I won
2: the shot put, darling. <laughs> I won the shot put. <laughs> oh,
3: so, so, Jess, you seem to be someone who really tests the boundaries mentally. Because I know you've just taken up skateboarding as well mm-hmm. as uh, yeah. what you know in your forties. Which, to be honest, yeah, I, I look at that and think, are you determined to break every bone yeah. in your body? <laughs> How good your health insurance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But can you just to wrap up because this has been, I suppose, a show in which we're kind of imparting knowledge for people. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about your mental mindset that allows you to test yourself in that way?
5: Um, I just want to always be learning, and I don't want to do sport just based on an aesthetic you know so I always want to be moving forward with something I find being on a treadmill kind of um arduous it's just, just not for me but if I'm pushing on a skateboard and learning how to just stay on a skateboard it is cardio you know like it's it's the same sort of stuff I'm still getting the same benefit as exercise but I'm so distracted by trying to progress that I just don't even think about it it doesn't become a task in my life it becomes something that I brave to go and do because I want to learn you know so I guess that's part of it but also like um, wanting the challenge and stepping into it is a mindset that yeah I've always had I I want I want the journey to be slower than easy one and and that's kind of um, I guess what's driven me with with all of it and also just like finding a way to have fun you learn a lot while you're having fun so if you can keep focused on that as the as the goal. Like kids learn through play and I'm trying to find those spaces of play in my life and, and yeah, continue them, like really lean into them.
3: Would you say mm. you're fearless though? Because I think I don't do that shit because I'm scared.
5: No, no, I'm scared. Mm. I'm scared all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Skateboarding especially, I'm scared all the time. But learning to quiet the mind, I'd rather be scared of trying to do an ollie than be scared of my public speaking or whatever it is Mm. that I need to to do that is, like, real-life scary stuff, Mm. learning to be brave in those moments. I can learn bravery outside of really scary things, like real-life interpersonal Mm. relationship stuff Mm. or, like, you know, trudging through trauma. Like, I can learn how to be brave and to trust myself, yeah, under a 100-kilo dude that's trying to choke my face off. Like, so... (laughs) I'm scared like for sure I'm scared but like just learning how to, to trust yourself and to trust others and to trust yeah like like I said with tapping learning how to mm. trust that I will say no when it's enough mm. and I need to learn um how to say no a little later sometimes than maybe my base instinct is and, and surely to find out what's really
2: Jess surely that helps you learn to say no in real life too Definitely. I mean, again, the curse of, the, of how we were raised, especially from our generation, is yeah. to people please as girls and say yes yeah. and be nice and compliant. Yeah. And it's very empowering to step into your 40s. And I imagine jujitsu yeah. helps you in this respect and go, no, no, thanks. Yeah, definitely. Not doing that. Yeah. Not just on the mat. That's in me. life.
5: Yeah, that to me is the self-defence of jujitsu. Like a lot of it is taught as actual techniques like you've done in your self-defence class and that's like totally valid. But for me it is the soft skills it's, Yes, that are more important that you take away and you're like, no, like, you know, if somebody asks me to roll and I'm scared of them, I'm allowed to say no. Like no. I'm, I'm allowed to just, mm. it, you know, and to take the bravery in that confined environment on a nice soft mat where you're with your teammates and if you're feeling mm. uncomfortable, like, no, saying it yeah. out loud once, getting the reps in, you yeah. know, when you can do it there, you can totally take it outside into your life and and utilise it in the real world for sure. Well, I said Amazing. at the top of the
2: show that I'd bring everything back to online dating, so yeah. let me do that. Please. And go, yeah. you know, if someone says, can I buy you a drink at the bar, it's okay mm. to go, no, thank
5: you no thanks absolutely
3: yeah
2: and not go absolutely.
3: no no, and then, no, and, no then, and then and then when they get sulky not to feel yeah, bad about that's it that's exactly right that's on you mate yeah. on, your, you way. Yeah. on your way on your way son
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah don't ask a question if you don't think that I'm allowed an answer <laughs> that's, that's right
3: Oh, <laughs> oh love it oh Correct. What, what a great yes, way girl. to finish the show oh yes. Jess it's been delightful to have you on the mm. show let's mention that you sure. are in Christchurch um, because there is an event there that you're running for Australian Girls In gay um in and
5: people can people still register for that yeah definitely so it's it, I'm actually in Queenstown so I'm sorry Queenstown and that's it there the event in New is Zealand. Um, four weeks time um so it's the first one that I'm running in New Zealand New Zealand does run women's camps without me before I arrive but while I'm here I'm keen to do one um and then I'll head home and start running them again in Australia
3: Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Jess. I'd love, I just learned so much and um, oh, don't think I'm going to get on a mat or a skateboard. I but, feel like know. exercising and that is miraculous. <laughs> You've inspired yes. us. <laughs> Thanks so much,
2: Jess. Thanks, Jess.
5: Thank
2: you. Billy. Ooh, I feel like I might, I'm going to consider, I'm not going to say I'm going to do it. You can check back with me, but I'm going to okay. consider doing a martial art. I think I'm built for it.
3: I reckon I reckon you've got the right attitude. I reckon too. I could power lift. Get into I could get the, in there. Yeah, get don't you're not scared about putting your face in someone's armpit. Absolutely not. <laughs> I relish the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> what we say about now. Thanks so much for joining us no, today. No thanks for Marla. having me. What a great show. Oh, it has been delightful of course check out Nellie's podcast which is available The Single wherever. Life of Us everywhere. Yeah. All the, the si- places. The Single Life of Us and also check out all of our past episodes Broad Radio on the go and we'll see you next week on Broad Radio. Bye.